are now watching Music of Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, Music the Lifebloods own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. Carter, how are things? Things are great. How are you doing? It's It's been a minute. It's been since May. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. So we never we never do conversations from the pit on the regular, but um, it's October, so that means that we're celebrating all things Glenn Danzig related, and why not pull out all the stops and get a get Carter in here for a good a good conversation? So uh, before we jump into this, though, a couple things worth noting. Uh, last night I went to go see Warbringer and Enforcer. Here in Indianapolis at a venue called Black Circle Brewing. I just wanted to tell everybody how good of a show it was. Uh, Black Circle, as far as venues goes, they have their shit together. Uh, it's it's a it's a really, really great venue. I saw Midnight there a while back, too. Uh, haven't had a bad experience there yet. And last night, Warbringer absolutely fucking killed it. I'll throw up a couple of shots that I got. Um, and then Enforcer was the headliner. And I was really surprised by Enforcer's band. I haven't really given a lot of attention to, but it's definitely in that sort of new Wabam vein, I guess. They're that ball, that they're good. Yeah, they're really, really good. I think they're Swedes, I believe, or at least yeah. the, the singer is a Swede. But it was a great show. They were pulling out kind of all the early 80s new Wabam sort of arena stops. Even for a, a small venue like that, it was a it was a really killer show. So if you get an opportunity, go check out Enforcer. I'll play a little clip here so you guys can hear what they sound like. Second thing worth noting is uh, since we talked last, you and I, Midnight. Midnight signed to Metal Blade. Yes. And that's pretty fucking exciting. They released an awesome new single called uh, Rebirth by Blasphemy. I picked up my uh, my download of it on Bandcamp, and I'm hoping the if as long as the, the album sounds like Rebirth by Blasphemy, I'm going to be a happy man. So here's a, here's a little smidge so you guys can check it out. Rebirth by blasphemy. Screen time is my new world. Don't let me out. Leave me from darkness. Wish. Without sound. Destination pure annihilation for the pre-dead. 
so yeah it's fucking killer have you did you buy it on bandcamp carter do you do bandcamp i do bandcamp a lot but um i've actually i buy stuff from like i'll get like like demos and stuff from bands and people that i know on bandcamp but when it comes to something like that the new midnight and stuff um i use uh i use apple music i'll just go okay okay yeah i I mean I, i pay for that so you know, I already grabbed it up and it's good. It kind of has like that, uh, um, that pre, uh, pre, uh, what was it? Satanic, uh, royalty. Yeah. It's got like that slightly almost kind of like pre satanic royalty, um, kind of vibe, like the, the early seven inches kind of feel to it. Sure. And sure it, it's sure. cool. I mean, it, to me, I thought, I thought at first it was like something back from those sessions, but I love the consistency of that band. And I love how, I mean, honestly, like, they're kind of like the, they're kind of like the ACDC of freaking like satanic sleaze metal, you know? That's just- funny. It's, it's funny that you said that because that's the thing that popped into my head. They keep the, they sort of, they're one of those bands that keep the bloodline pure, so to speak. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know what you're going to get when you buy a midnight album, yes. you know, you know what you're going to get. So yeah, I was super impressed with it. The solo, the, the couple little guitar, little doodly doos in that were absolutely fucking killer. And I'm actually, I was kind of wondering who's playing the leads on that. I'm wondering if it might be Vanek, uh, because mm. usually when it comes to studio stuff, most of it is Athenar play, playing everything. And the leads in it just, I don't know, it sounded different than a lot of the stuff I had heard, you know, I've heard elsewhere in the Midnight Catalog. So, but, but before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to read this uh, press release. Uh, this is directly from Metal Blade Records, and I thought everybody would kind of find this interesting. All right, so Metal Blade Records is proud to welcome Midnight to its worldwide roster. By now, Midnight need no introduction. Guided by the twisted muse of main man Athanar since 2003, this Cleveland cult have been slaying the metal punk underground with their own highly addictive brand of lust, filth, and sleaze, subsequently building up a sizable catalog and garnering a rabid fan base. I can attest to that. Like I said, I went and saw Midnight a while back, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. I'll drop in a couple shots that I took of the show. Uh, While there are certainly fanatics for the band's early EP work, it was Midnight's debut album, Satanic Royalty. That was in 2011. That entered the band's name into the annals of classic. That's a good way of putting that. Uh, Never one to rush things, nor drop an EP along the way. Midnight continued their underground dominance with No Mercy for Mayhem in 2014, further perfecting their signature sound with the band's massively anticipated third album, Sweet Death and Ecstasy. The band showed their darkest and most daring effort to date. Fans can expect another crushing full-length rebirth by Blasphemy in early 2020 via Metal Blade. Midnight's Athenar comments about the signing, well, I sent a demo tape to my band, a demo tape of my band to Metal Blade Records back in 1987. It only took them 32 years to respond. And guess, and guess what? They want to release a record! Exclamation point. That's awesome. Patience is a virtue. Now you wait until this new album comes out so you can bang your fucking skull against a brick wall while cranking the stereo at neighbor destroying volume. Uh, before their new album drops next year, Midnight have now released a title track from their upcoming full-length Rebirth by Blasphemy as a 7-inch digital single to coincide with the signing, plus North American tour dates with Obituary, Abat, and Devil Master. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's going to be fucking 
Armageddon. Oh, yeah. dude. Obituary. I'm, su- with, uh, I'm super excited. I like Midnight comes up on Vinyl Thursday quite a bit. And on the music, the Lightblood podcast, Jake and I find just ways to work Athenar into the discussion <laughs> from time to time. But uh, when I when I went and saw them last year uh, at Black Cir- at Black Circle Brewing here in Indianapolis, I ended up buying. Let me get it. I'll drop a picture in so you guys can see it. Try to get rid of that glare. But I bought the seven inch they had just released at that time. Um, Athenar was working the merch table and he was nice enough to chat with me for a minute. Um, but, uh, one of the things as I was talking to him for a minute, uh, by the way, that's the seven inch they did with professor black, by the way. So yeah, this, this is really fucking good. But anyway, I stood there and chatted with Athenar for a couple minutes and he was just, he was totally amazing. Uh, we just immediately started talking about music with each other. Um, and I had a feeling like had he not had to get going, I probably would have stood there with him for two hours. So I think uh, Athenar, as far as like ambassadors of the metal community, he's definitely one of those guys that really, truly flies the flag of heavy metal. He's kind of yeah. like Rob Halford of Judas Priest or Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder. He's just one of those guys that is seriously invested into metal so i wanted uh i wanted to uh highlight that because we're we're midnight fanboys carter and i so there you go all right so it is october and when it's october we celebrate all things glenn danzig related and i thought this would be a fun thing to share with everybody i got something so i wanted to talk about uh bands that have kind of taken a page out of the Glenn Danzig playbook. Um, and I had my eyes on this, and I thought it was a cool opportunity to show everybody. But, mm. Yeah, I'll drop in a picture so you guys can see it. But this is a uh, Son of Sam uh, promo poster that would have hung in record stores uh, around the time the album released. But I wanted to, I wanted to get your input, Carter. So are there any, are there any big bands that come to mind as far as sort of taking a page or whether directly or indirectly out of the Glenn Danzig playbook, uh, the sort of embracing the macabre, the dark, that sort of thing. Is there, is there any bands that come to mind? Oh, oh. shit. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where like when you come across it, you see it, but when you have to think about them, you know, it takes some time to kind of like really, you know, kind of think about it. Sure. Um, one, a band that I really like that, to me, I kind of put in the same sort of realm as Midnight, and I see a very, very big Danzig and Misfit influence is the band Hookers. I don't know if you're familiar with them whatsoever. No. Um, it's uh, Adam Neal, the guitar player for Savage Master. He's had this band called the Hookers um, since, like, the mid-'90s. They're, they're definitely, like, their own kind of horror punk, but it's horror punk speed metal phenomenal fucking band um they put out an album called midnight the witching hour something like that we can look it up and throw a picture up or whatever um but uh they um very very much their themes are b horror movies from from the 60s and 70s satanism um you know go go girls you know in like you know um in satanic mass you know kind of thing fucking great band and like they they're one of my favorite um, bands of that kind of genre. They're not horror punk in kind of like the whole like rockabilly or uh, influenced way. They're kind of like 
there's sort of um, like that sort of Venom Bathory influence type speed metal, but mixed with a Motorhead kind of vibe. But oh, there's cool. definitely a Danzig influence through the entire thing. His vocals are, are, are definitely just shouty punk rock, kind of like Battalion of Saints type vocals. Sure. Um, but they're, they're a band that around this, this time of the year, um, when I listen to Danzig and Sam Hain, um, they're a band that I like to listen to a lot, you know, it's kind of for the about easily since about 2013, it's pretty much been like Danzig, Sam Hain, the hookers, uh, midnight. Um, and, uh, um, you know, that's pretty much it as far as like my favorite stuff this, this time of year that kind of has that vibe to it. Cause sure. just their album art. And what the hookers do, uh, you know, they dress all in black, long black hair, black leather gloves, and just, you know, um, they've got definitely, you know, you know, a um, a Misfits Earth AD vibe to it. Like, oh, uh, wow. Okay. They're fucking great. Um, I don't know why we've never dis- discussed them before, but they're one of my all-time favorite kind of garage punk bands since the 90s. Um, oh, wow. They're they're great, but I highly it's it's kind of confusing when you look them up. Sometimes they go by the hookers. Sometimes they just go by hookers. So if you find hookers, <laughs> look for vocalist Adam Neal as the singer. They're they're from Louisville, Kentucky, um, and the, uh, he also plays guitar in the band Savage Master. Who all those guys except for the the front woman all wear the same similar executioner masks like Midnight do or whatever. They're sure. a great Nwabum style um, speed metal band as well, but. Hookers, for sure, come to mind when I think of, like, Misfits, Danzig-influenced um, type rock, punk rock and roll. Sure, sure. I've been thinking of Cloak. Oh, shit. That's a band that flew under the radar for a little bit, and then I kind of found them by accident when I was actually looking for the band Craft. Great fucking black metal band. Oh, um, right on. They're on Season of Mist. Great band. But, yeah, I found Cloak in, like, at first, I was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of heard sort of like more of like a Christian death, um, Southern death cult kind of vibe to what they were doing, too. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, I could see them on a bill with tribulation. Sure. If that if that tells you anything, mm-hmm. there's definitely a true to the term heavy metal vibe right. about him. But there's all that sort of, for lack of a better term, I hate constantly using this word, but occult theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to everything that they're doing i did which which by the way they're they're doing a re-release of their uh to to venomous depth album um i did a i did a pre-order on this new version of it through their band camp it's got different printing uh the color the covers slightly different and then they have an album on the way i think hopefully sometime this month it's october 2019 uh it's going to be called the burning dawn and I've did uh, I've did pre-orders on both of them. It was funny. My my wife uh, for my birthday. My birthday's tomorrow. So my wife was like, "Here's a bunch of money for Bandcamp. Just go to town." So <laughs> so that's what it, this afternoon I spent a good half hour just digging through. Like, oh god, I was a kid in a candy store. Like, what am I going to get? What's it going to be? Uh-huh. And uh, I did uh, I did the cloak pre-orders, which I like those guys. I to me I one one of the things that I think of. Um, because the the go-to thing when it comes to Glenn Danzig is obviously the Misfits. The Misfits are going to spring into everybody's mind, and then immediately everybody thinks of horror punk, um, quote-unquote horror punk. Um, and I think a lot of the time, whenever you go, whenever you start walking around the sort of ballpark 
uh, of the Glenn Danzig, ex- Danzig extended family bands, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's um, people tend to gravitate just towards darker punk rock, that sort of thing. But I think Glenn Danzig as a songwriter, his his sort of tentacles stretch way, way, way into the world of metal, obviously, yeah. because the bulk of Glenn Danzig's catalog is metal. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it's just, I mean, apart from, you know, the early misfit stuff, Earth AD, Wolves Blood is the, that sounds like metal to me. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. It does, I don't think you could label it as hard, old school, hardcore punk rock because it, you know, it's different than what Black Flag or the Germs or even TS, early TSOL were doing that sort of thing. But Cloak always springs to mind. Uh, the last three or four months when I've been just thinking about bands that I like sort of in that darker motif, that sort of thing. And like I said, too, I compared them to Tribulation. Tribulation springs to mind, too. Which, have you ever seen them? Have you gotten to see them live? I've, I haven't seen them live, but I, um, I watched, I've seen a couple of their videos on YouTube, and they're fucking awesome. Like, Tribulation, at first, some people kind of don't know what, how to take them, because, like, they're black metal, but Ish. they're not... Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're really good. They're like uh, Death Rock from the ninth, from the 80s. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like they've yeah. got like that, yeah. you know, that like I said, like you know, like Christian death, um, you know, freaking. I think uh, of I I think of at times Sisters of Mercy. Yes. Once once in a while, mm-hmm. the, just kind of stuff like there's there's little little fluttering little wisps of you know that sort of UK post punk ish mm-hmm. darker stuff. Yeah. And at the same time, their singer fucking sounds like Lemmy. You know, mm-hmm. which which is interesting. And then they're dabbling in, like I said earlier, true true to the term heavy metal, old school heavy metal stuff. Like yeah. I could see I could see Tribulation play a show with Motorhead and Angel Witch. Sure. And it okay. and it and it would work. It, it would mm-hmm. work pretty well. They yeah. definitely they capture that like early eighties, late seventies, um, kinda kind of thing. Um and I mean they just when I saw the video, like the where they're like they're out playing outside, they got like the the long flowing robe kind of things on and the face face paint and stuff. And oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I instantly thought of like Roz Williams and you know and Rick Agnew and stuff like that. That era of uh, of Christian Death, you know, and uh, um, and even even to a certain degree, Dance with Me, uh, TSOL kind of vibe. Um, you know, like TSOL is very much kind of like they had kind of like a death rock kind of phase. You sure, know, sure, uh, like, sure. Uh, I'm sorry, not dance with me. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, beneath the shadows, the album that's got like the uh, Clockwork Orange type artwork on it. Um, and then pretty much then after that, uh, Jack Grisham leaves, and then um, the other guy. Then there's like you know the the other TSOL, and then Jack Grisham does Tender Joe, Fury. Wait, yeah, what's his name? Joe something. I honestly, I never really. I want to say, didn't they have two singers after Jack Grisham? Because there was a one. Um, they did like a string of albums when they were kind of in their Guns N' Roses cult, you know, the cult looking kind of kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, Revenge, the the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack, the yeah, uh, uh, nothing for you. That's the song everybody would recognize. But See, that I was love... that that was eighty six ish. But I it, yeah. the it goes Dance with Me beneath the shadows and then Change today, Revenge and then everything else. Gotcha. Okay, you're you're right. Beneath the shadows is after. Okay. Um, but yeah, either way, they they kind of have that sort of like that Orange County um, death punk, you know, kind of kind of feel 
you know, like there's just so like there was so much that just kind of reminded me of like that kind of like that TSOL kind of vibe, you know what sure, I'm saying? And, sure, like, sure. and that's what I liked about Tribulation, you know, because Jack Grisham used to wear corpse paint on stage back in the day, sure. with like kind of like a devil's lock and, you know, gloves and like a Frankenstein jacket, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, that's that's what I love about it, because it's a good mixture of like that, you know, you know, English, you know, death, death rock and like, you know, early 80s American death punk goth, you know, um, you know, there's there's like a shit. There's like a there's like a Peter Murphy solo album vibe kind of to the whole thing. You know what I mean? And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a Bauhaus yeah. tones on Taylor's kind of vibe. Yeah. But they were all black metal dudes. It's sick. I like it. Did you see just side note? Side note, there is uh I had uh one of the one of the guys in the MTLB Ultra Mega Militia group uh sent me a, a message uh that there was a there was an eBay auction going on for some of Roz Williams' hair. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, no, I missed that. And and it uh the auction the auction I think it got pulled and Ooh. then then a private collector made an offer and got it. Is he going to clone him? Do what? Is he going to clone him with the DNA or some shit? Yeah, that's, to me, I just, sometimes I think there's just, sometimes things are too far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That just, that, like, that just seems, I don't know. That seems too far to me. But then, but then again, I'm like, as a personality trait, I'm a, I'm a lot more conservative than the average person. But I mean, I don't know. It just, it felt, it just felt kind of, yeah, I don't know. Well, something like that, wouldn't it require a certificate of authenticity or something? Yeah, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. And how are you going to confirm that? That's the, that's the thing. The, and the, it's one of those things where like, it's so just fucking absurd that, you know, how does that even happen? You know, how did we, how did we get that? How did that, how did someone come across that? That just seems, it's just so strange to me. Like, it, it's weird. Like, I'm not even a Christian death fan, but I'm all like, he's dead. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know, like, what, what are you doing? Like, it just, I don't know, man. It was odd. And, but anyway, I had a, a bunch of back and forth uh, with that. I don't, I don't know. He may not want us to say his name, but anyway, um, I had some back and forth with him and uh, he was saying like he was watching it pretty closely because there was a span of like a week or two where he was sending me stuff like, oh, there somebody's auctioning off Roz's personal copy of one of an album, you know, wh whatever it was. And everybody was flipping their shit about it. it. It was the eBay auction was just going and going and going and going. So it just uh, it was it was really interesting. The the links that fans will go to. You know what I mean? Like it's one it's one thing to be like, yeah, I got my album signed. I got an autograph. But I feel like it's another fucking thing. Like I got his hair. You know, <laughs> it, it's just strange. Do you, do you own in your collection one of Gene Simmons's uh, um, uh, spit cups? Yeah. <laughs> cup? No, I don't know. I've no. seen a few people post online like that. They were able to <laughs> kind of get them from from various shows and right. stuff, you know, yeah. Um but that's that's something I wouldn't mind having if I knew for sure that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know, it's just I'm a little bit more apathetic when it comes to collecting because the stuff that I collect, I utilize. I don't really have many things that I just put on a shelf and not fuck with. You know what I mean? Right, right, you know, right. like a lot. Of, I right. mean, sadly, I've got a freaking a, a 
a uh, picture disc copy of the first Danzig, which is worth about 500 bucks um, in its condition. And I still play it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's same with me. I play, I play all of my shit. There's not anything that I don't put on the turntable. I yeah. I, I fucking take care of it. Mm-hmm. I think I, but well, strike that I do have um, a skeleton, which their apothic gloom EP. I'm trying to, I'm slowly getting all the colors. The, okay. I think there were five different colors, but I have a play copy and then I have all my color copies. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to bot frame them, frame them all together, make like a big, a big gigantic thing. I just got to find fucking wall space because I'm out. Like, <laughs> did you see that, um, that Eric Carr vinyl that's going to be up for sale? Yeah, on Saturday? I did. yeah, yeah. I figured, um, I figured we'd talk about it once we got out of October. Um, a cool. little bit. Because I, I think I'm going to get my hands on a copy of we it. We'll put a pin on that. Yeah, I told Jen to order me one. <laughs> we'll oh, yeah, yeah, one. yeah. It's funny <laughs> that when you're a collector, the sometimes the wives, you got to call in a favor, you know? Yeah, my birthday's <laughs> coming up in a, well, in December, but still. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's that's what I want for Christmas. Thanks, honey. Well, you know, fucking someone's going to buy it. And it's going to pop up on Discogs for a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, anyway. that's the thing. And you're gonna have somebody buy ten copies, and then they're they're gonna sell them for a hundred grand a piece or whatever. <laughs> Just like you said about Discogs a long time ago, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Discogs is you just gotta know what you're doing. That's the that's the thing, and sometimes. It's kind of like Wikipedia in that anybody can post, anybody can, you know, just put some shit on there. Yeah. So that makes it kind of like wild card sort of thing. But yeah, you just got to make sure you do your research. But if you find a good seller on Discogs, you're, you know, you're good to go. It's Lots somebody, of Russian bootlegs. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, well, there's countries without copyright laws. They don't, they don't, they don't observe uh, intellectual uh, copyright intellectual property copyright they just do what they want to do and just all of a sudden like why is there a just a purple construction paper sleeve for love gun you know but (laughs) it's a thing it happens there's a bunch of them and they're all a hundred dollars a piece but anyway discogs a wretched hive of scum and villainy (laughs) is that star wars is that a star wars yeah line right uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Back. Uh, back to the dark. The dark stuff. Do you um. Do you are you a poetry guy? Do you like? Do have um, you ever been a poetry guy like Edgar Allan Poe or Baudelaire? Rollins, or? I own like every single fucking Henry Rollins book. That was about as far. I got. I mean, a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut poetry that he might have done on the side of his books. Um, Rollins. Everything I, I do is fucking music centric. So you know what I'm saying? Sure, like sure. if there's a if there's an artist, you know, I've got Nikki Six's uh um heroin diaries book, you know, um and uh some other shit or or this is gonna hurt or whatever the fuck it's called. You know right. what I mean? But um yeah, no, I I mean I don't dislike, I just never really found um anybody that could you know, any any poetry writer that really kind of kept my attention other than that resonated with you i think i was i was was just thinking about that like uh darker bands there seems to be a real place for poetry and prose yeah in that in that sort of arena of bands and you know and when you think of a band like we were talking about tribulation you know the the lyrics for tribulation are it's like fucking reading edgar Allan poe 
Yeah. You know, it's 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 really, really interesting in that regard. And too, like it's worth mentioning too how well read Glenn Danzig is, mm-hmm. obviously, and the the impact that he's probably had on fans of his bands that have turned into musicians, that sort of thing. It's it's neat for me because as a fan, Glenn Danzig as a as a lyricist, uh, he doesn't overcomplicate stuff. He doesn't muddy the waters. You know, he's not one of he's not one of those guys that uses big words just sort of arbitrarily because he can. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's and there's a shit ton of bands that are like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, Bad religion. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought of I thought I thought of some of the some of the middle period of AFI comes to mind. Mm, yeah, like, I could see that. Like like black sa- black sails in the sunset, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but I mean, it's neat when you discover a new word. It's probably kind of thrilling. Or like, I found a new word. I'm going to put it in a song. It's it's a good feeling. It makes you makes you feel smart. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but but Glenn Danzig, Glenn Danzig as a lyricist, I, and I just everyone be cool. I'm a fucking AFI fan. Don't nobody fuck freak the fuck out. You start napalming the YouTube comments, and you guys just you guys get angry at me every now and then because of some of the things I say. Uh, but anyway, Glenn Danzig as a lyricist, uh, there's a very sort of poetry and prose aspect to what he's doing. Uh, I think of Blood and Tears specifically off of Lucifuge. Mm. Lyrically, it's just I, that's a everybody. Most people can identify with heartbreak. Yeah, you know, and he can he can write things in a way that everybody can understand. There's a sort of a common. Um, there's a there's a collective. Uh, there, there's a there's a collective understanding because of the way he writes his lyrics. He's not flying above your head, even though he's talking about things that are extremely nuanced, extremely complicated. But he's just doing it in a way that's not uh, off-putting in in uh, the making it making the language overly complex. I guess I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. I think. When it comes to, uh, I mean, when you were about, before you said Blood and Tears, I was thinking the song, How the Gods Kill. And um, that song, to me, reminds me of like, if you're, if you're reading, because you got poetry and prose. Prose, isn't prose like a story being told in poet, poem form, more or less? Can, that that? can be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think of like stuff like the, um, like the prose Edda, like, you know, the, the story of like the Norse gods and stuff like that. I think of like the uh, the uh, Puranas and the uh, Upanishads of uh, Hindu mythology, um, like that. That I, kind I, of. Thing. I think of Paradise Lost. Milton. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah that's Milton. that's technically a fucking poem. That's what that is. It, yeah. But it reads like the fucking Lord of the Rings Cimmerillion, but mm-hmm. uh, but technically it's a poem. Yeah. Yeah. You take how the gods kill, and to me it sounds like it's the first, um, the the first chapter of like a um a a a, pro, a prose uh a, a, a prose odyssey a prose epic kind of deal you know what i'm saying like he's he's asking the question you know he's he's had he's had a um you know thought about the gods you sure, know what I mean? sure, and sure. he realizes that the world isn't you know world is not you know forgiving and that there's pain in the world you know and so he's just kind of like that whole song dude i mean it's just like it's like a cool building up kind of, you know, kind of poem. And it reminds me a lot, like I said, of, of, you know, of the, 
of the Eddas and like, you know, the Upanishads and different, different like um, mythology that's told in like song form, even with the Bhagavad Gita, you know, and even with some of like, you know, um, some of the, uh, um, the Edgar Allan Poe type stuff that is more like short, short story. And uh, Danzig's right fucking in there, dude. I mean, it's kind of, you know, he, he's knowledgeable about, um, about folklore you know, in mythology, and he puts things from a personal perspective all lumped into one with his stuff in the, you know, at least in the first four Danzig records. And I've always liked that about that. Sure, sure. He, uh, I've, I've heard him mention in a couple interviews, uh, I don't know where, but uh, he's mentioned he, when he was younger, he, re, he, when he discovered Baudelaire, he liked, Ooh. he liked Baudelaire a lot. Um, and as as poetry goes, the, the the shitty thing about reading poetry in another language is that I think it loses some of its luster hmm. because there's there's something to be said to way to, to about the way a language fits together. Mm. So when you when you read something Baudelaire wrote in French and then you read it in English. Yeah, it's good. It's good, but there's just something about it. Something is amiss. It's like uh, 99 Luff Balloons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't. It just doesn't roll off the tongue the way it does in uh, I think German or whatever. whatever Even the language. German verse is clunky as fuck though too though. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, German isn't really all that. You know, it's, it's funny that we're. It's just funny that we're talking about 99 Luff Balloons in a, you know. And then you have a, a Baphomet hanging behind you on the wall. <laughs> oh, more. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's awkward. It's just, 99 Rebels are 99 people that died. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Isn't that about the cold? Isn't it about the Cold War, I think? Probably. I um um I, I posted a I posted a picture of it. I'll throw a, I'll throw up a picture of it. Uh, so you guys can see it, but I picked up a um, a poster, um, a band I really like uh, called Aiden. Uh, they're not they're not a band anymore. They're done. They're kaput. Um, everybody's moved on to selling insurance and being bankers and <laughs> other bands and stuff like that. But um, anyway, the uh, Aiden is uh, Aiden's one of my one of the only bands out of that scene. Uh, that that I really gravitated towards, that I really enjoyed, um, and I don't think you like Aiden, if I had to guess. Well, I, I don't dislike, but th th to me, it was kind of like the time they came out. There was just such a high volume of bands being vomited out in yeah. metalcore and uh, yep. and sort screamo, of like screamo and yeah. yeah. Just kind of like you know, it was like little things that just missed me. You know, I mean, I know of them and I know of their their whole aesthetic and stuff, but like. Honestly, my first impression of them was when I saw um, there was like a video that was like on uh, um, what was that? Uh, uh, shit, it's gonna be completely irrelevant. Um, anyway, there was like this um, this video show that was on YouTube for the longest time. Um, Blank TV, that's what it was. Um, okay. They showed one of their videos on Blank TV, and to me, it looked like a bunch of um, like 16, 17 year old skater kids that got super into um my chemical romance afi and the misfits and started a band but i you know so it was just kind of whatever just just a flash boom you know what i mean i just kind of just saw sure and then 
years later, I run into people that, that talk about how much they like that band. I'm like, huh? They were like a they were like on Victory or something. They were like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, and it, yeah. They were they were on I think the whole their whole career. <clears throat> well, yeah. as as a quote unquote band, they were sure. On, well, yeah. I mean, of course, you know me. Like, you know, I mean, I've been, you know. I've been straight edge since 94. So 94, class of 94, Victory, you had Snapcase, Strife, Earth Crisis, all that stuff. So I kind of kept in touch with what was going on with Victory over the years. And then I noticed when Tony Brummel started signing, you know, like emo bands, goth bands, you know, rock bands, whatever. And they were kind of like in that whole thing. And it's just sort of like they didn't really do anything that really grabbed me. What was what was it about them like at the time? What was going on? Where were you at kind of when when they sort of kind of like – hit you there's there there's two the beat i think i think most people that know aiden are going to focus on the front half of the catalog mm -hmm. um there's a there's a release called our gang's dark oath uh another one called nightmare anatomy and then an album called a, a conviction hmm. and that's the uh, that's the sort of the when everybody thinks of aiden that's the lineup you think of there's uh jake davison uh, Jake Wambold, uh, Zombie Nick, Zombie Nicholas, Angel Libera, and then Will Francis. That's mm. that's that lineup. Um, and I think those albums are good for being in the screamo vein. Eh, because huh. I'm not. That's that's past my. It's past my time. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was moving on by that point. It just wasn't. That was the. I'm about five years older than that group of young people that liked the band at the time. Um, but I appreciated them. But in, I think it was 2011, they released an album called Disguises. And to me, that album specifically is the high watermark in their catalog. And when that album came out, I was absolutely blown away by it. And by that point, by that point, uh, Jake Wambold, the second guitar player, had left the band. He had moved on. Um, he had moved on prior to that. There's an album in between Conviction and Disguises called Knives. Um, there's a song on there about Elizabeth Bathory. There, I don't know. It's just it's a bunch of like darker bleh, sort of screamo stuff. And I think Knives is a pretty good album. It's okay, um, but Disguises specifically was the thing that caught my attention. Um, when when music, the lifeblood was just a written blog, um, it was a written Tumblr blog that I did. Um, one of the first entries into the 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 written blog was was about disguises, um, and the album has just stuck with me. It's just stuck with me. It's there's a song on there called Re Evolver that I really like. There's a song called Hysteria. Um, there's a there's a sample from. Uh, the Shining, that they put it at the front of one of the songs towards the back half of the album that caught my attention. There's a Christopher Hitchens sample on the album. Um, dude, just it's just a it's a good album. It's a fully realized album in in that it's it takes you on a journey. It takes you from point A to point B, and you feel like there's a very clear sort of process. It's not this meandering just sort of blah, waffling of blah, here's some songs about us, you know, being upset about stuff. But the album stuck with me. And I think the reason that I bookmarked it so heavily is that it's, I think Aiden has its roots in punk rock, but they straddled the edge of screamo and just the, this, this, the slightest little inkling of metalcore. 
hmm. that it was just enough to catch my attention and to separate him from all that other stuff. Cause I don't, I'm not into my chemical romance. They're not a bad band. It's just not my thing. I did. I wasn't, I wasn't into, I liked to tray you, but I felt like, ugh, you know, it was hit or miss within the rest of the catalog. Um, I just didn't gravitate towards metalcore and I did not like screamo, but Aiden had enough of little things that I liked about him that caught my attention. I think the, the shining quote, the, uh, Wendy darling light of my life. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going <laughs> to bash them right the fuck in, <laughs> you know, like that always like it sticks with me because that sample at the front of that song caught my attention and I immediately went, Oh, this is amazing. What is this? And I just started diving into the band and I really like the album prior to that knives. I thought the album prior to knives called conviction was really good, but I did not like the early stuff that was overtly screamo. Okay. I did. I just wasn't into it. I just did not get into that scene of music, but, and then there's an album after, uh disguises called um some kind of hate um is it some kind of hate i gotta look that up hold on because i want to make sure i get it right because it's going to bother me if i if i get it wrong yep okay yeah i'm right right it's it's some kind of hate i kept thinking of the misfits are so kind of love i have a sort of like miasma of lyrics you know just kind of like swirling around in my head but anyway aiden caught my attention man um i just think they're a good band it's hmm. not of it's not my generation's stuff like i said i'm about five years older than those people yeah uh, but but it still caught my attention nonetheless and i think as far as independent bands go they they work their butts off and they couldn't make a they couldn't make a run of it they couldn't and that's why the band fractured and fragmented, they had to go on to do another stuff. Will Francis went on to, he does a, a thing called William Control, but I think he might have just put music down. I think he had a he had a bunch of like, like accusations thrown at him about like some some uh, some sexual behavior. Okay. <laughs> don't really, um, and but I don't want to go into it. I'm not into. I, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not into rock star morality, you know, that sort of thing. All I know is that I can separate art from artist, and I like the music that he made when he was in Aiden. So if you want to dig into that, dig into that. But yeah, that's um, interesting because, like, there was, there was a bit, uh, I think with bands like that, it's just timing. You know what I mean? Like, when, you know, some bands, I've known, I've been friends with some bands over the, the past, like, 15 years that have gotten, signed and chewed up and spit out by labels like trust kill victory sure. um, equal vision and stuff like that, that 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 either like the switching of what genres that they were um trying to work with or just kind of like the the rise and fall of of the physical copy um you know buying you know community was fluctuating you know it's just just seeing bands you know i I've, i'm not gonna name any names but i there's a, a band that uh, um that I was I've known the guys for the longest time and they got put on tours of All That Remains. Um they they just did some big time stuff and they toured to a tour. But the label they were on didn't do a video for them and kind of just used them as a tax write-off. And they were one of the hardest working bands in our area. 
and then um, the guys went on to, or a couple of the primary guys went on to work with other bigger, um, bigger bands and stuff. And then they recently got back together and put out an EP and they're bigger than they were before. Um, and they've got a video and they're doing it all themselves and stuff. Right. Sure. I think that a band like Aiden, um, if the guys were so inclined, could get back together and do something and be completely DIY about it. Cause I noticed a lot of bands from that time, from, you know, the, the early two thousands when that explosion of the screamo and this and that kind of happened, that stuff's starting to come back. Cause kids, yeah. Yeah. you know, kids in their, in their late teens are digging back to that stuff. And, uh, um, you know, like, shoot, I mean, there's people, you know, you hear about bands you think broke up like 10 years ago and you're like, oh, they're, they're playing a festival or they're going on tour. They don't have a new album coming out, but they're touring because people dug back in their back catalog, you sure, know, and sure. that's something that, you know, it's like I said, I, I couldn't tell you what Aiden even sounds like, you know, but, I, you know, but <laughs> yeah. to me, yeah, I, can tell it's, you what, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a little bit of chuggy chug in the guitars, not a lot. It's a lot of fast paced punk rock drumming. Is it of its time, so to speak? Yeah, it is in that regard. Like mm -hmm. you, I could see Aiden on a bill with AFI and um, I don't know. We're, early, we're, er, early Atreyu, it, you know, it would it would work. You know, it would work pretty well. Were they like the connecting point of say the used and AFI? You know what I'm saying? Like where. Where those yeah. bands kind of yeah a little of, bit a little bit but Will Francis is nowhere near as fucking nauseatingly annoying as Bert from the Used is. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but one. that dude is like fucking kryptonite to me. Like he's he's not, not quite more, he's not quite Morrissey. Mm. He's down a little ways, but like ugh, that band. Like, oh, God, that man is like fucking nails on a chalkboard for me. It's just, oh, wow. It's, it's funny because when, when, when they blew up, um, uh, uh, bands like Finch, Finch, Them, um, and Match, uh, Matchbook yeah. Romance. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. And what got me, not to get off the whole dark music thing, but just a real side note, when I saw bands like Atreyu and bands like that and a lot of the quote-unquote metalcore and – heavier screamo stuff blow up to me. I was kind of like, really? Like I grew up in the early nineties of watching hardcore hardcore in the, uh, well, I'm sorry, the, the late nineties hardcore in the mid to late nineties was you couldn't, there was no two bands that sounded alike. You know sure. what I mean? That, that's the thing about nineties hardcore. You didn't have like 800 mad balls, you know, and fucking like four, you know, 400 Zayos. It was kind of like you had Zayo. You know, you had Madball, you had fucking Hatebreed, you know, you'd have, um, you know, Converge, you know, and like all these bands were playing aggressive music, but there was really no 90s hardcore sound. But then at one point in time, these certain bands like, you know, like, you know, Finch, Used and all those kind of bands, like shortly after it seemed that like at the drive-in blew up, all of a sudden those yeah. bands that then there was a fucking sound. That yep. some of these people in these bands will go, oh, we don't sound anything like them. Like, no, no, no. You do now because the label snatched you up and put you in that. So now people are hearing you guys side by side and going, oh, okay, yeah, they do kind of sound like so and so. Yeah, you know? it's, I mean, it's, it's the nature of the beast. 
something sure, sure. something is underground and then mm -hmm. it surfaces and then everybody goes that's a good idea let's do it and then yeah. everybody goes we're tired of it and then they look to the whatever the the next underground thing was and the cycle repeats itself over and over and over and over again do you think that happened um uh with uh, with Danzig or Sam Hain, do you think Danzig or Sam Hain spawned any sort of kind of um, aesthetic slash musical movement when when they were doing their thing? I well, I think it's I think it's important to acknowledge the the structure of the music industry at the time. We're still in the <clears throat> the the BC, so to speak. Sure. The, yeah. The before <laughs> the, the before the internet, the BI times before internet. Yeah. Um, the uh, Danzig. I'll go back to Sam Hain. I'll start with Danzig. Yeah. The first, the first three Danzig albums. There's, you know, dude. It's consistently, it's blues based. It's, it's heavy. It's not, it's not overtly thrash or you know, overtly, you know, super crunchy, aggressive metal. It's all blues based, heavier rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. Um. I think similar to Metallica in prior prior to Load. So we're not going to go all the way up to Load, but Metallica, Black Album, and before Black, Metallica was able to live and exist in the mainstream during Injustice for All and the Black Album without necessarily being a part of what the overarching theme of the mainstream at that time was. Metallica was able to exist in the landscape of Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, right? Yeah. Uh, the same thing with Glenn Danzig. The, the beginning of Danzig's career, Danzig was able to exist against the backdrop of the end of 80s metal and the the beginnings of uh, the, the... I don't like the term grunge. I don't like it. Um, and I don't like the term alternative either. I don't... but for lack of a better term, the grunge and alternative scene, Danzig was able to exist with that as the backdrop. Uh, did Danzig influence that sort of stuff? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so, because I think it was Danzig as an entity, as a band, was so much different than what was going on in the bigger arena of major label music at the time. But at the same time, you could go see Danzig. Allison Chains would open and up, open up. Maybe Marilyn Manson would open up, and it would make sense. It, yeah. it would still would still make sense. So the 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 so I I don't know in that regard. All I know is that Danzig, those first three four albums, if you want to count four, yeah, I think you should lump it in there. The Rubin albums. "Quote unquote," even though Rick Rubin didn't really show up for the fourth album, <laughs> he just kind of punched the clock and went to lunch. Um, that it's it's it existed it existed in that landscape of a very changing time yeah. for ma mainstream music. The shift from the end of '80s metal to the the beginning of the the alternative boom. Danzig could make sense with with one foot in both of those worlds and it would still be okay. Uh, but to me, Danzig is one of those sort of anomalies. It's one of yeah. those anomalous bands, especially at the beginning of the the career of Danzig as a band. They they didn't it didn't it didn't blend in with the background, but they were able to walk that sort of landscape with those other bands. I think of the cult 
when I think of that sort of thing as well. The cult, the cult were able to exist at the tail end of post-punk and also in, in the landscape of 80s metal as well. And even into the early 90s, the cult could still make it because I think there's something, I think there's something sort of transcendent about a man in black singing about things that, that might scare some people. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that John. It's that sort of Johnny Cash principle. Mm-hmm. Don't know what else to call it, uh, well, but 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 that Johnny Cash principle allows them. It's almost like a kind of immunity to what is going on in the background, that sort of thing. So, I I don't know that I have a hard answer to that question. I well, I don't know. What I noticed when um because when I discovered Danzig um I'd already kind of been like uh. You know, I got super, super into Kiss, you know, and I liked, you know, Kiss, Run DMC, Motley Crue. Those were the bands that I super got into. I was big, you know, when I, in elementary school, in the middle school and stuff, right? Sure, sure. And when I discovered Danzig, I'd kind of been into skateboarding and I kind of like knew about like some some uh, hardcore punk this and this. And at the same time that Danzig was doing what they were doing, Colt was doing what they were doing at that time and Crozier Conformity, right? Crucial Conformity went from being kind of like a black flag type hardcore punk band crossover. Yeah. To a straight up kind of like a, you know, a doom, a kind of a doom metal band. Right. And then Glenn Danzig went from doing, there was a point in time where I didn't know anything about Sam Hain. I thought, I thought Danzig went misfits, nothing for a while. And then Danzig, you know I mean? Cause pre-internet, I was like, what the fuck is this? When I found Sam Hain, I was like, holy shit. There's a whole era in between Danzig and Sam Hain. I didn't fucking even know about. But to me, I thought it was one of those things where it's like, okay, bands do this they hit a point in the late 80s where they go okay we were a punk band now we're a metal band you know what i mean yeah you know and i saw it so far even with bands like uh um like freaking uh dave smalley from dag nasty to dys um his uh boston hardcore band that was like straight up like minor threat kind of thing they put out a fucking album that sounded like acdc ssd control another boston hardcore band that went from playing fast hardcore to straight up like they wanted to, cause like Springer wanted to fucking be Brian Johnson, you know what yeah, I'm saying, or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I saw that around me, cause what was fucked up is when in the late '80s, early '90s, when I started buying records, I was like, oh fuck yeah, TSOL. I got the first the TSOL album without Jack Grisham. I'm like, huh, okay, this isn't the guy from the Suburbia movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was confused yeah, as fuck yeah. because I didn't know that there was like five years in between the Suburbia movie, you know, and that and shit. That, so. That- that revenge, just a side note. That revenge album, that's not a bad album. No, it's not. That's, I don't. That's, I, I like the non-Grisham TSOL shit. It's yeah, yeah, good. yeah. I think um, uh, Ron Emery and uh, what's the bass player's name? Mike Rosh, Rosh or Roche, R O C H E. Roche. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know how to. Or I don't even know how to say it. No, right. I think it's just Mike. Mike Roach. I think I just say it as Roach. Um, yeah, I have. I have. We're probably both wrong. Okay, let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't internet and just beat those guys. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the that album is actually pretty fucking good, man. It's um like I said earlier, the song Nothing for You. Uh, it appeared on the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack, which is um easily, easily, hands down, top of the heap as far as zombie movies go. I would oh, put sure. I would put I would put Return of the Living Dead in front of Dawn of the Dead, if that tells you anything. Yeah, that's honestly, I that's probably my favorite zombie movie. Um, and I actually have a colorized version of Night of the Living Dead that came out like in the early 90s, I believe. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was the that was the that was the remake. Yeah. Oh yeah, not colorized. Yeah, it was straight up remade. And I mean, I'm not mad at it. It's good. But like, um, Return of the Living Dead, that is, I got into freaking 45 Brave because of that. You know. Yep. Um, and what's funny yep. because I went. That's part that version of Party Time. That version of Party Time is superior to the one that's on Sleep yeah. and Safety. I'm going to oh, tell you this right fucking now. I they agree. sounded like they were straddling the lines of being a Sunset Strip metal band at that point. Dude, it's, and Die Cancer's voice is so fucking rad. It's so shrill on that yep. recording. It sounds amazing. I remember. I remember being like. 15 16 and going that's a girl yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember i remember finding that out i was like what that's fucked up like her, her voice is incredible it's a it's like hearing a like the first time i heard angela from arch enemy yeah i was like that's not a dude and she's not gonna bust into like a singy part either she's just gonna go full on yeah it's, it's amazing know? like angela rules. i love angela dude she's yeah. a but any anyway anyway back to back to where we what we were talking about, the um, but as far as Sam Hain goes, you asked about Sam Hain doing that. I don't know, man. I re- I don't I don't know. I think Sam Hain is. Uh, there are Danzig and Misfits fans that don't know who Sam Hain is. That was yeah. That like, was that was me and and that was me in middle school, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. it's just so. Oh, bump my mic. It's so strange to me that that it's that's an important band. Mm. But it, but I've said it before. It's still like it's a kept secret. Still, yeah. People, people don't. They're just like they don't know about it. It's you so, can't buy that shit anywhere either. And you can't no, no, it. it's not. I don't. I don't know if it's on streaming services not. Or, or not. I think the last official release was the box set, mm. and it's it's just hard to come by that shit. So there's just people that it's almost like it's a. It's like one of those bands that your big brother told you about but you didn't want your mom and dad to find out you were listening to them. You know what I mean? It's like, like, how about this, this, check this out. This is going to fucking blow your mind. Don't tell mom. I told you about it. You're the two live crew of, of (laughs) horror punk. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. All I know is that all I know is that there just seems to be some things that Sam Hain did that pop up later on that became defining characteristics of, of the sort of heavier, darker genre of music. Yeah. Like it just, is that a coincidence? I don't think it is. You know what I mean? I think Sam Hain has its, has its little, little tentacles, tendrils, whatever you want to call them into all kinds of other different stuff. And just that, that goes back to, that goes back to Glenn Danzig being sort of a pioneer in well, the, in the, in the darker realm. Did you ever read Stephen Blush's book, um, American hardcore? No, I watched a documentary. What is it, that? It, well, is that the document, the one with the documentary, the movie, the movie doesn't do the book justice. Cause the great thing about the, the book, the book is, um, kind of, you know, like that book, please kill me by legs McNeil, the, um, yeah, yeah it's kind of like the, uh, the hardcore version of that. And, um, there's a section in there when they're talking to Jerry only, and he talks about Glenn Danzig, like, oh yeah, the reason why earth AD sounds the way it is. Cause he was always fucking jumping on trends. You know, he was always, you know, he was, oh, he was, he was into fucking venom. So he wanted to do earth AD, you know what I mean? And, and that was some shit that, that Jerry only said in that, in that book. 
And uh, um, that kind of stuck with me because I went back and kind of looked at shit like what was going on in punk rock when Sam Hain was going on. And you look at, you look at um, Christian death and you look at, um, you know, like some of the Southern California bands, TSOL, this and this and that they had like the hair, not quite a devil lock, but like the, the poofy hair. And then it was down on their face kind of thing. And that was like the, like the dudes from the cult when they were Southern death cult had their hair like that. A lot of those sure, sure. You know, European bands. And with it being pre-internet, you know, obviously you can't go online and go, oh, you know, fucking Ian Asbury looks like this this week. I want to get a ball of tie and straighten my hair. You know what I mean? And like, it's just kind of like, of course, Glenn Danzig was influenced by what he fucking liked and what he was into. And, you know, um, but like, obviously that interview with Jerry only was kind of done at the time when things were kind of bitter. So you never know where that was coming from, you know? That's and, that, yeah, that's frustrating about the yeah. Misfits history because a lot sure. of it is informed on by um, the the strained relationship between the two parties. Mm. <clears throat> to be honest with you, I think, I think, I think Jerry. <laughs> I want to be careful. <laughs> mm. I th- I think Jerry has has done some revisionist history sort oh, of yeah. stuff um, when it comes to the lore of the misfits, um, uh, th- that that sort of thing. So um, to be honest with you, I I am more amazed that Glenn was able to be as quiet as he was yeah. for for that long because. It had to be fucking frustrating, man, because he wrote all those fucking songs. Now, granted, the the people that helped him play those songs and record those songs and do the shows and that sort of thing, there's something to be said for for their presence and their influence into the final product, that sort of thing. I'm not Doyle. Doyle, in my in my opinion, is hands down. I put him up there with Johnny Ramone as far as important to to genre defining characteristics of punk rock. Oh, yeah, he and, should be for and, sure. And and aggressive music. Um and I'm saying Doyle specifically because Doyle's playing is it's so fucking important to the genesis of the Misfits. So I think that you get the Misfits guitar sound by filtering Glenn Danzig's songwriting through Doyle's guitar playing. That's that's what happens. So I think both are both are extremely important on both mm-hmm. both ends of it. Um, but that said, um, I think Jerry is. I think Jerry has said some things here and there that I that I don't. Uh, I'm a little skeptical about about the 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 validity and the accuracy of some of that stuff um and like i said i'm amazed that because glenn would talk about it occasionally you know i remember i think an eric blair interview that i saw glenn was like i don't want to play with that guy (laughs) like and like i get it i understood it at the time because it was probably fucking frustrating it was frustrating to have somebody take your output and do something completely different with it than what you had intended intended originally that said, I understand that the music business is a business. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is. So, do I? I don't. I don't like being like because I'm glad they did a reunion. I'm absolutely fucking thrilled that they're playing together, and they they've done these string of shows the last couple of years. It's been fucking amazing 
That's that is absolutely what I wanted to have happen a long time ago. That said, forgive but not forget. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's it makes me it makes me a little reluctant as a fan to be like, you know, what's Jerry going to do next? That sort of thing. So I mean, it is what it is, man. Um, yeah. I will I will tell I will tell you this. I don't think he has any business singing. No, that was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the two times that I saw the Misfits, one was with uh, Michael Graves, and then the second time was with Jerry. And to me, I swear to God, it seemed like Jerry kind of sang words he thought were the songs. Because it was like <laughs> 40 fucking songs, dude. Like, you know, he got the chorus, but he kind of like fucking mushmouthed his way through the, the verses and stuff. And I'm saying, well, there's no fucking way that he's going to know 40 goddamn songs. You know, yeah, this, yeah. this was like in 2005, 2006, right. you know, and uh, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, no. Nah. And then the Ramones, of course, you know, they, you know, one, two, three, four, and then fucking bust out like 200 songs, you know, and. 30, well, 30, 31 a lot of okay. the time. It was 30 yeah. songs a lot of the time. True. But it was just kind of like, okay, cool. I got to meet Dez. I got to fucking meet Robo. I got to meet Jerry. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm working. Security, I'm up in the front row at a small club in Des Moines, Iowa. It's fucking sick. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to shit on that fucking experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even, you know, I have, my, I have my preferences. And to be honest with you, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I saw the graves with, you know, um, with fucking Dr. Chud um, and, uh, um, and you know, and all that, you know, with, uh, uh, with Sick of It All and H2O at, a fucking, um, at the House of Blues in Chicago in like uh, 97. It was fucking amazing. And I wanted to hate. I wanted to hate on the Misfits so bad. I wanted to hate so fucking bad because me and my friends were diehard Danzig fans. But dude, like three or four songs in, we're having a fucking blast. We're like, fuck, that's fucking Doyle. Fuck, that's Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. into it. It was fucking sick. It's. Well, I mean, there's some. There's something to be said to about hearing a song that you love in a live mm -hmm. setting. You know, there's just there's just something to be said about it. It's just it's just a good time. It's nice to hear those songs. Yeah, it's just it feels it feels good, and that's yeah. It just it's a good feeling, I guess. So I don't I don't look I I don't want I don't want to I don't want this to devolve into you know us bitching about Jerry only stuff. Well, it's uh, it's a moment at this point, really. I mean, because you said you said there's some revisionist history. I mean, let's let's look at like let's come you know, the 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 ever so fucking go to comparison of Kiss. Kiss did a reunion, blah blah blah. Ace and Peter came back as fucking hired guns. The whole goddamn time, Peter um, and, and Paul, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Gene and Paul are telling their version of the fucking history or the easy, easiest to digest version of what the fuck happened. Then Peter and Ace and Paul write books. Gene writes a book. And then, boom, they interview Gene, and he's talking about shit. He's contradicting his story from fucking 1990, you know, because there's books and shit out. So after fucking like 40-plus years – I think that the story kind of gets blurred and the everyone, early on, like after Peter and Ace leave, they want to be able to tell the fans something that's going to like not lose fans. You sure, know, they, sure. They don't sure. want people to hate Peter and Ace and they don't want people to fucking, you know, lose hope in their band. Then after a while, they were talking shit about, you know, about Ace and Peter saying, you know, what they couldn't get their shit together, da, 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 you know, whatever. So f flashing over to another universe, the fucking Misfits, I mean, you read the interviews um, with Glenn and Jerry 
right around the time before the the first riot fest thing and they're like yeah i said this i said that things were fucked up we hated each other we got together talked about shit and we're doing the reunion you know it was yeah, like yeah okay yeah. fucking done deal yeah was, you, move, you move you move on you move mm-hmm. on and that's why that's why i was saying i don't want it to turn into a a, a, a bitch fest on Jerry, you know, yeah. some of the stuff he's done. It's just, I'm just glad they're playing together again. I think it's great. Well, that I, being said, I know there's an upcoming, um, an upcoming, uh, Madison square garden show that Glenn says is going to be the last one. Um, and I hear rumblings of new Danzig music. I hear rumblings of another Danzig covers album, the Elvis, the Elvis album. Yeah. The Elvis album. yeah. Well, when, when down to this, like uh, when we recorded our Relentless album, we recorded with the same guy that recorded or that, that engineered um, the, uh, uh, the Danzig's uh, co- covers EP that he put out a few years back, right? And the guy, um, I mean, I'm not going to, whatever, I'll fucking put it on blast. I don't give a shit. It, before that came out, Chris, the guy that did it, said, yeah, I'm recording Danzig's Elvis covers album. I'm like, holy fuck, this is awesome. And then the covers album with, you know, with, Black Sabbath and all that comes out differently. Like, so I'm sitting there thinking maybe he did. He recorded a shit ton of Elvis stuff, and then he recorded that shit to yeah. see how that would do first. And you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I think everybody. I think everybody's all like, went. You know, is it going to yeah. happen? You know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the holdup? And I think it's, dude. I think when he's sixty something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like maybe he probably just wants to take the day off. <laughs> it's <laughs> after the reunion you know, shit, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's fucking busy. When the album coming out. He's busy. He hasn't played misfit shows. He's got a fucking comic book company. He's doing yeah. he, he made a movie. He's doing shit. He's working, that sort of thing. So I think yeah. it's I think I think um, part of part of me as a as a fan of um, as a fan of the Misfits, I think one of the things that occasionally when I'm all when I get pissed because I'm like we had someone someone fucking record the show someone and put it on an album. God yeah. damn it! This is literally our last opportunity. Please do it. And then I and then I'm all like, well, he may not want to. <laughs> you know, like that's the first thing I think of. Or like, he's probably, he's probably had to go shopping. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. Something's going on that's more important. It is what it is. So I think it's interesting to be at the. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to die tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's. Well, you're. You're getting. You're nearing the tail end of your career when you're sixty something and you're a rock and roller. You know what I mean? It's not practical for you to be out. You know running around screaming when you're when you're 75 80 years old it's just not practical it's not going to happen and people want to retire they want to call it a day that sort of thing so whenever i get a little agitated i'm like okay yeah he's okay you know know, i can't get mad there's like 20 some other albums i could go listen to that'll still make me feel great so it's well let's 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 say the misfits reunion never happened all you would have is the old shit to listen to yeah yeah, I mean, for real, like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like I, I pretty much was, you know, um, sort of content with the fact that it probably was never going to fucking happen. I'm like, OK, no, it's because I, I was I would watch the stuff on YouTube of like of Doyle coming out at a dancing show and then doing like, you know, seven or eight uh, misfit songs, you know, sure. and to me, that was good enough. I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's cool. You know, 
and that was that was like back in what like 2005 2006 something like that like oh it was like it was like fucking 12 years of that mm-hmm. like Doyle, Doyle started doing that with him i think like 030405 somewhere in there and he was doing it all the way up until directly prior to the the reunion shows yeah so we I had there, there was tons of us that had an opportunity to go see it live and to be honest with you i'm a doyle fan mm-hmm. doyle is my guy he, like eric carr is my guy when it comes to kiss doyle is my guy when it comes to the misfits he's the one that whatever he's doing i'm interested mm-hmm. sold here's my money what is it you know, I, I and it, to me to have because I got to go see them uh, do one of those Danzig shows. And it was somewhere in the ballpark of 11, 12, 13, uh, 2011, 13, somewhere in there. And uh, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I never thought I would have that feeling up until that point. I never thought I would be able to have that feeling to mm. see Danzig and Doyle playing on stage together. So it's great that it's all three of them. It's fucking amazing that it's Dave Lombardo playing with them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing that AC Slade because AC Slade is a genuine fan of the band. Well, dude, and that, he was, I was a fan of fucking Trashlight vision. Um, AC Slade's band. Sure. You know, sure, and then when sure. I found out he was, I'm like, and I think he, I think AC Slade uh, played in faster pussycat, you know, somewhat recently and shit. Really? He's, I could be wrong, but uh, uh, yeah, he, he's made he's made his rounds and he's he's legit as fuck. And then when I found out that he was doing these um, these misfits things, I'm like, that's fucking perfect, you know, because they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna need you know two guitars and some of those songs, you know, so it's whatever. Yeah. yeah you know, so yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, what's funny? My theory is it's always kind of been like this, like okay, let's say the misfits things never gonna happen ever. Fuck you, Jerry. Fuck you, Doyle. Fuck you. Blah blah blah. Danzig's fucking standing his ground. But hey, check it out. I'm going to fucking go on tour and I'm going to play nothing but Misfit songs. Two middle fingers up. Fuck you. I would still go see that and be like, yeah, that's the Misfits to me. Because like it's as, as, as much as I fucking love Doyle and I like the various drummers that they had, here's why, why I, I feel this way. <laughs> I fucking saw um, uh, Skid Row in 1999 without Sebastian Bach playing on a show with Vince Neil without the other guys in Motley Crue. Right. And it was a mind fuck because I'm sitting here going, fuck man. I love Skid Row. I, I, I love fucking slave to the grind and the fucking, you know, uh, in the first one and shit like that. And so back, and I saw Skid Row with Soundgarden um, back in like 91 or whatever. Fucking phenomenal. Right. I didn't give a fuck about Dave Sabo or fucking Rachel Boland's fucking weird chain piercing or I didn't, I didn't give a shit i didn't know the fucking drummer's name until fucking five years ago i didn't give a fuck it was it was sebastian bach going the fuck off right but the band was called skid row which they'll argue okay there was fucking three singers before sebastian bach yada yada nobody gives a shit about any of that so now when sebastian bach goes out on the fucking road and plays his solo shit with a bunch of skid row songs to me that's fucking skid row i don't give a fuck and i i resigned to the fact that yeah I'm stoked that fucking Glenn and Doyle are doing these Misfit songs live. I don't give a shit if Glenn ever plays with Jerry or any of them ever, ever again. You know what I mean? And there's certain artists that I like with, uh, like with ACDC. To me, it's, you got Brian Johnson and Angus Young. That was, to me, that was fucking my era growing up, sure. right? Okay. You know, and then you got fucking the, the guns, but like certain bands like Kiss and Guns N' Roses, I'm different on. If I, if I go see Guns N' Roses, I don't want the dude that that 
Axel wrote Chinese Democracy with on drums. I want fucking Matt Sorum or fucking Steven Adler. You know what I'm saying? I want fucking Gilby Clark or fucking Izzy Stradlin. You know what I'm saying? And because to me, Guns N' Roses was a band that was a fucking collective. Everybody was fucking. It was kind of like to me, Kiss and Guns N' Roses are my two penultimate favorite bands that influenced me in so many fucking ways throughout my entire fucking life. And I'd probably say third to that is Danzig first three album era, you know, Chuck, Erie, and fucking John and shit like that. So that was the shit right there. And when pieces of the Danzig machine started falling off, you know what I mean? And like Joey Castillo was on drums, you didn't have fucking Chuck Biscuits anymore. You didn't have fucking da da da. I was holding on to Danzig. I'm like really fucking holding on. And uh, um, I looked for bits and pieces of the old era. Danzig's a weird one for me as a band because it's just kind of like, fuck, man. I love that combination. I love Eerie's fucking just totally fucking deadpan bass tone. I fucking loved fucking John Christ's dry fucking guitar tone. And I fucking love Chuck Biscuit's heavy as fuck drumming. You know, and when that started to fall away, to me, Danzig started to sound different. But to me, the Misfits with Glenn Danzig on fucking vocals is always the fucking Misfits. I don't know. So if That's the fucking if well, I think, I, I think for me, for for me, I'm just, just when it comes to the Misfits, it ain't the Misfits without Glenn and Doyle. That's the hmm. combination for me. That's the combination I need. Doyle, Doyle, pff, start. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, uh, did you listen to the 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 music the light blood podcast episode a while back where I bitched about that for a while? I remember when you you interviewed him back in like 2014. No, nah, it's been a while ago. But yeah. anyway, Big Jake and I did an episode. Oh no, you you, you did you did uh, like what like not even a year ago you mentioned it. It was uh, it's been pretty recent, but I was just like was <laughs> like <sighs> I don't I I keep running into like in like collector groups and stuff like that on social media, that sort of thing. Like, was not, you know, I'm not going to go because Bobby's not there. And I'm like, are you fucking high? Are you fucking up Bobby Steele? <laughs> like, I like Bobby Steele. Like, he was, I did yeah. a great interview with him. Totally fucking nice. Great dude. Great, great <laughs> fucking guy. Absolutely loved it. But really? <laughs> let's, get, yeah, let's get pissed off that, uh, that Joey Image isn't going to be there. Right, and... exactly. It's like, I want Joey Image instead of Dave Lombardo. Like, no, he's probably doing fucking heroin in fucking Queens oh, no, right now. Joey, Joey's in good shape, man. He's down in Florida. He's down in Florida working working his butt off, man. He's a working man. Well, I yeah. see him on, on social media. He looks ripped. He still he looks fucking ripped. Yeah, yeah. He's he um he does um he does uh drum heads like bass drum heads where he oh, he draws on them and he sells them and like it's it's source of income for him. It's totally amazing. Don't come he after me, a, for him. I was just kidding about the heroin thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, he's been. I mean, he was when when I interviewed him, he was he was feeling really great because he had he had been sober for a while. Yeah. At that point, he had kicked. He had kicked heroin, and that's hard. hard that's yeah, not, that's not something to fucking kid around with. Like he's, um, he he's he's um, he's had a a struggle with cancer the last couple of years. Um, mm. So he's um, he's dealing with with cancer treatment and stuff. So um, I got a lot of respect for him, man. Oh, just because yeah. of like he's like he was almost a punk rock casualty, you know. But but he made it. He fucking made it and now he's just slugging away at cancer like he's dude he's 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 the real deal man 
He's he's the real deal. He's he's legit. Like you don't fuck around with Joey Image because was so, it, uh, was it come back fighting Arthur? every fucking time. Do what? Was it him or was it him or Arthur on Static Age? Uh, neither. Really? Holy fuck! <laughs> for, some reason, I was for the longest time, Arthur Googie was on uh, Static Age. No, Arthur's on uh, Walk Among Us and Evil Live. Oh motherfucker! Wow. And and die die my darling. Okay, and then what era did, did uh, Joey play? Joey was uh, horror business, um, and I think Night of Living Dead. Wow, the That's single, awesome. the seven inches. Yeah, so, so that'd be horror business, uh, Children in Heat, uh-huh. Night of the Living Dead, uh, maybe Ghoul's Night Out. I don't don't quote me on that. I don't I don't I don't have the seven inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do albums. Um, but Joe, Joe, it was it was Joey Image and Bobby Bobby Steele from roughly seventy eight to eighty somewhere think, somewhere in there. Do you think if they were to like say okay, this is going to be the final one? Do you think that Glenn or uh, or uh, Jerry would even think to to dig up any any people like that to bring out? Like remember when Metallica did the, the Metallica thirty and they had everybody? You know, sure, sure. Like, I think I don't, I don't you know I I don't know man. I, I don't know. I think the the one thing is that if you're going to get on stage with them at the level of players mm-hmm. that guys like Dave Lombardo, AC Slade, Doyle have become, yeah, you need to be able to you need to be able to hold your own in that environment. And I don't think, um, I I just don't. To me, in my opinion, would I don't know what Glenn think about it. I'm sh- I mean maybe. Maybe, but it's. I think it's important that whatever's up on stage, it meets the expectation in a in a performance and a musical uh, execution that that is up to snuff with the mythos behind the band. Um, and if Glenn said no, I I mean I wouldn't blame him. You know, well, yeah, Glenn, like people are people are going to be like. I mean, sadly. People will be like, oh, I don't fucking know. You know, they 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 think of like what they think of Robo, only because of how he, Ro, Robo was such a big name in hardcore punk because of Black Flag and stuff, sure, right? Sure. So sure. to me, when when fucking I found out that Robo, you know, going going back, obviously I wasn't old enough to know a damn thing about the Misfits when Earth AD came out and stuff. But like I was so much into into Black Flag when Robo was in the band and everything, and then. You know, a friend of mine was like, "Yeah, did you know the fucking Robo from Black Flag played on that album?" I'm like, holy fuck! So I was like, my worlds collided, and I'm just like, fuck, because you know, I'm still a humongous Black Flag head, you know, and we could get into, we can get into them down the road with the whole thing they're doing right now, which is, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> it's fucked up, man. Real quick, quick, quick comment on that. Pertzborn is the shit, and he's playing with them. And Mike V, he he, what, he did he did yeah. play with that. No, no. Okay, yeah, it's the dudes from fucking. Uh, isn't it the guys from Red Cross right now? The dude. The- I yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I don't Jeez, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I just I know that. All I know is that there's been too many instances of yeah. me hearing things about Greg Ginn not paying his guys. Sure. Not 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 uh not getting people their publishing for songwriting credits. 
even if Greg King wrote the vast majority of the Black Flag catalog, Des still has some co-writes. Henry has some co-writes. Bill Stevenson has some co-writes, yeah. that sort of thing. Him just not paying people uh, on, on top of uh, him uh, doing some shitty things to his brother, mm. Raymond Pettibone, the guy that drew all the Black Flag artwork. Yeah, like it's just it's just too much, man. And every every time I think of it, I'm like, if if he wants to call whatever he's doing Black Flag, fine, that's okay with me. But I'm, that, I'm yeah. not gonna buy a ticket. There's that technicality of okay, well he it was his band, quote unquote, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's had an ensemble all throughout the years. That's the argument that I've heard people say. And like um, recently, um, there's a did you ever get into the hardcore band? Uh, uh, no for an answer or no. um well anyway they were a band from the 80s like er- early 80s band fucking dan o'mahoney sing for no for an answer sing for 411 um great fucking just great uh i think orange county hardcore frontman whatever anyway he's got this sick fucking band you need to check out they're called shiners club it's like blast black flag and battalion of saints kind of stuff all rolled into one it's fucking super sick they got two two albums out i can't s- stress enough they're called the Shiners Club. Um, the Indecision Records, which was an old like '90s hardcore label that's still doing stuff. They, um, they they put out the early Throwdown stuff. They did like Instead. Okay. Um, they, they did like Unbroken and shit. But anyway, the Shiners Club are fucking awesome. They're doing a, a show with Black Flag here, um, coming up, and uh, in California. And he said something online like, "Look, I'm stoked as fuck to be playing with Black Flag because I'm still that kid." You know, paraphrasing, of course. You know, they got into Black Flag, and yes, I know that, uh, you know, Greg Ginn's the only member, but he, and then he named off all these other bands that people still go to see, these punk rock and hardcore bands that have only one member. People still go under the fucking banner of that name, right? Sure. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, if I was, if someone said, hey, you know, I want down to this to fucking play with fucking, you know, with, with, with Black Flag or with sebastian bach or you know or, or skid row sans sebastian bach i'm like fuck yeah I'll, I'll do it fuck you know what i mean it's just like to just say that you've done it to experience it and like so that's where you know as bands get older you know of all genres especially like the classic rock realm you got like foreigner where there's no fucking original members you know you get like the misfits going out with you know dave lombardo dave lombardo's playing in fucking suicidal tendencies mr bungle you know um and fucking dead cross right who, you know, so to me, Dave Lombardo is a fucking, he's a god. I fucking, you know, everything, everything he fucking yeah. does, I love. But yeah. so anyway, it's just like, as, like I said, the pieces of the puzzle and, and like the band you originally fell in love with starting to fall off. That's when you kind of decide on like what, what you support. You know, if you're like, you know, if you say, if you say, if you hate the reunion, um, does that make you go back and go, well, well, fuck, you know, fuck Earth AD, fuck Walk Among Us, fuck Legacy Brutality. You know, you're not going to do that. You know, you're still going to fucking love that for what it is. So yeah, yeah. as these bands get on in years, um, there's so much fucking shitty online debate, people being too cool for the reason. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a wherever you draw your line in the sand. It's, it's, it's subjective to the individual. It is what it is to me is it's not, if Glenn and Doyle are not there, then I'm going to, I'm going to pass. I'm gonna yeah. take ass about if you guys want to go, that's fine. Fucking okay, yeah. have a good, have a good time. <laughs> Knock yourself out. But I think, I think for me, it's because I came, I hopped onto the Danzig train 
later in the career. Um, 777, E. I was the first album where I was like, ooh, new album. I got to get it. Mm. Um, uh, and by that point, you know, some people I came and went. And the same same sort of thing. I like bands like Kiss. Kiss had so many people come and go. So to me, Danzig is Glenn Danzig. And yeah. then just whoever he decides he wants to work with at that time. Now it's even sweeter. It's it's it sweetens the deal when it's fucking Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and Steve Zing from Son of Sam and Sam Hain. Like that makes it even fucking better. Mm-hmm. But if if Glenn wanted to get on stage with Steve Zing drumming, Doyle on guitar, and fucking Howie Pyro playing bass and call it the Misfits, I'd be okay with it. Todd, was it what was it Todd Youth, Howie Pyro, Joy Castillo on that uh, I Lose a Fair Eye, right? Yeah, you lose Fair Eye. Yep, dude, yep. that that right there is That's a, a fucking, good lineup. <laughs> I love Generation and Howie Pyro was a basis yep. for Degeneration. Yep. Fucking love that band, and of course Todd Youth, fucking. Murphy's Law, Warzone, Agnostic Front, Chelsea Smiles, you know, fucking like one of my all-time favorite guitar players, fucking Fireburn before he died, fucking Blood Clot. Yeah. I mean, dude, every fucking dude, Todd Youth was, you know, and then the fact that he played on a Danzig record, you know, Joey Castillo, fucking Queens of the Stone Age. I love Queens of the Stone Age. Yep. Queens of, you know, and like uh, he plays drums in Blast now, you know, when Dave Grohl isn't doing it, you know, and like fucking Joey Castillo is doing like, you know, he's he's like that fucking he, he was kind of like the the Eric Singer of the fucking punk slash metal yeah, kind of have, thing, you know? have have sticks will travel yeah. sort of guy, but so, I just uh, to, to me there's I have like I have minimum requirements for all my bands and if Glenn isn't there, it's not Danzig, it's not the Misfits, it's not Sam Hain. Period. Yeah. End of story. But I'm so used to him working with a sort of revolving cast of characters mm-hmm. that. With, at the point that I jumped on, that I, I, I was just like, okay, well, this is the lineup for this record. Okay, cool. I wonder yeah. what the, I wonder what the next lineup will be. But I think I don't know. People people do get hung up on it, and I get it. I understand it. I you know, if Judas Priest went out without Rob Halford again, I'd be like, man, man, man. They're they're on a fuck. They're they're sliding right now with you know with the uh, you know with Andy Sneap and R- Richie Faulkner because yeah. I mean, but the thing of it is, man, like, you know, even though, I mean, that's another one of those bands where each member, you know, um, I think Scott Travis, like when he, I think he joined on Painkiller, right? Or was it like, yeah, dude, that's when fucking Priest was, I mean, I, I, I love, you know, you know, I love the, the, the pre-Scott Travis era stuff, of course, but like, that was the fucking band, KK, Glenn, Rob, and fucking Scott Travis, motherfucker. Yeah. And when they when they did those older um, priest songs with that fucking lineup, it just gave yeah. us so more oomph. Yeah, you know? Scott Scott propelled them. Scott Fuck. propelled them to be a heavier band. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean it's Dave Holland's drumming. That's what it is. That's the yeah. major change. You know, <laughs> Dave Holland not being there. I mean Dave Holland's not a bad drummer. No, but he's not fucking Scott Travis. <laughs> that's that that's that's the simple solution of it. He he really propelled them to a new level, um, and it makes me the. I think the only other way that would have happened, they had reached the point of painkiller as if they had kept Les Binks, mm. because Les Binks Les Binks was a genuinely fucking heavy drummer. The dude knew what the hell he was doing. 
you listen listen to the stuff that he did on um uh uh killing machine um hellbent for leather Oh, and then the live the live album obviously and just like it just oh he's so fucking good it's unreal like if he had stayed with them they might have hit painkiller a little bit earlier just a little bit earlier see that. Uh, but i don't know it is what it is but, but anyway, you know, anyway yeah like i was saying like those are one of those bands where you know you um those mem you know when those members are real like because kk you know kk downey and you know, and fucking, uh, what the fuck is I want to say Glenn Hughes, Glenn Tipton. Um, they were fucking like gods in the eighties. And I said, they were like, that was, that was the combination, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, but everyone's just kind of like, who plays bass for Judas Priest? <laughs> it's it. Well, is he's not Ian, Ian Hill's not a, not a flashy guy. He's just content to be, be back there and just do what he's doing, you know? <laughs> But yeah, but I mean, anyway, like you were saying, like with, you know, with Danzig and the Misfits and stuff, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, Danzig at one point in time, he would, he would even say in some interviews where, yeah, his, his intent was not to have a new lineup for every single album, but early on he considered, yeah, with Sam Hayden and Danzig, you know, if each album, I'm going to write all this shit. And if I got to find different people to play with, it was kind of like, you know, like, like it was talking about Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme. Sure. Had different people every time and then then we found a couple of people like troy van lewin and you know and ran, uh joey castillo kind of stuck with them you know over time is, and then you know is it is it lewin or van Llewellyn? what it what is his name I pronounces van lewin josh homie said van lewin before and i thought it was van Llewellyn, but people have said van lewin so i mean it, it's i want to say van Llewellyn because that's the name that's what it that's kind of what it looks like might be like we're pro again here we're probably both wrong sure <laughs> <laughs> rock rockstar rockstar names are hard it's difficult well, yeah, it shouldn't be that's why gene simmons changed from kime wit <laughs> yeah good good point stanley eisen you know? to, to yeah. play, right there we go all right <laughs> anyway anyway it feels like we're getting close to wrapping this up all right so uh before we go real quick uh, dark-ish, Glenn Danzig-influenced band. What, what's what's your one you want everybody to listen to? I would seriously say um, the uh, the Hookers. Um, the crazy thing about the Hookers is they they've been around since the late '90s, and they had kind of like that, that kind of like that Zeke um, kind of Zeke fucking New Bomb Turks kind of like Fast and Furious like a garage rock kind of thing. For, and then they kind of developed into kind of like a, they mixed in kind of like horror punk and speed metal into what they were doing. Sure. And like I said, they're, they're a big, they're a big fall time Halloweenish band for me because of what they do, they have a shit ton of seven inches out that, um, you know, that have that kind of like that Halloweenish kind of vibe or whatever. Like I said, they're, they're kind of a tough band to pin down because they either go by hookers or the hookers, but their latest album is called, um, it's midnight, the witching hour, and it's got this long name. But uh, um, just uh, there's a, there's an album called uh, Black Seeds of Crimson Wisdom that is fucking phenomenal. It came out in '99 on a European label. It's hard as fuck to find, you know. But uh, um, Spotify and uh, um, Apple Music. But uh, um, anybody has any questions, just hit us hit us up on Music Lifeblood Facebook, whatever. And I'll you know let's go. I'll send links and shit, but like they're, they're definitely a, um, you know, 
like I said, more more of a uh, more of a, a later era um, Danzig Misfits influence, but they got that dark dark, dark vibe, and like you said, Cloak and Tribulation for sure. Those sure, are good sure. I'm gonna I'm just gonna add because I've I love the Son of Sam records. Oh fuck yeah! Absolutely loving the first the first album was the was the poster I showed you guys. It's I did a vinyl Thursday about it a couple of years ago, but anyway. Um, the first album's called uh, Songs from the Earth, and that's got direct Glenn Danzig connections because Glenn plays guitar on one of the songs on the first album. Steve Zing, one of the drummers from Sam Hain, uh, plays bass. Todd Youth, one of Glenn Danzig's guitar players, is a guitar player. Uh, and then London May, who is another drummer of Sam Hain, drums on the album. And then Davey Havoc from AFI sings. Then the second album, the slightly different lineup. It's Steve Zing, uh, who played drums in Sam Hain, who is uh, Danzig's bass player now, plays bass on it. <clears throat> Todd Youth, uh, who we mentioned before, plays guitar. And then uh, a dude named Sky Von Jane uh, sings on it. On the album, he went by Ian Thorne. That's a that's a nod to the Omen. Um, he went by Ian Thorne, which I've interviewed Sky Von Jane on uh, an episode of Vinyl Thursday. Flip back in the queue and check it out. Um, Sky also played in Chelsea Smiles, like John mentioned, uh, with Todd Youth. And then the drummer is a dude named Carl Rockquist, who played in the Chelsea Smiles with Todd Youth and Sky Von Jane as well. So um, I think Carl plays with uh, um, Glenn. He's uh, kind of a country-ish guy i can't remember his name campbell yeah <laughs> yeah glenn campbell i think yeah i think he moonlighted with glenn campbell for a little while with todd youth as well uh don't quote me on that because i might be wrong but uh, that, that sounds about right because i remember <clears throat> uh, i remember hearing about todd youth playing with glenn campbell and so just yeah just, i think oh, yeah yeah just no i got like i said there's a lot of trivia up here <laughs> floating around and then, uh, and then Carl, Carl filled in with Danzig on some shows every now and then for drums. So just, yeah, those son of Sam records, both of them, the first one's called songs from the earth. And the second one out, second album's called into the night, which the second one, I live and die by that record. That thing is absolutely fucking phenomenal, phenomenal record. Amazing. Amazing. So, okay. All right. That's it. That's another episode of Music the Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit Rapping. Music the Lifebloods, something old. Something new. What are you listening to?